Welcome to the Free Life Agents Podcast, where we help real estate agents build a lifestyle they never need a vacation from. Here's your host, Kobe Zen. Hey guys, welcome back to the Free Life Agents Podcast. My guest today is a multiple-time award-winning real estate agent, and he is also the host of his own podcast called On The Verge, where he talks to young entrepreneurs about uh, some of the journey of entrepreneurship and just uh, some really important topics as well, which we'll definitely dig into. And um, he's also the host of a, uh, his own Airbnb business that he just launched uh, as well. And he's also spoken at, um, at multiple universities uh, for you know, uh, young marketing students as well. He's also looking to expand that side of the business, which you know, for me, I think that's something that's super important and I really give you a lot of props for. But without further ado, guys, um, please welcome to the show, Willie J. Davis, my guest for today. Welcome, Willie. <laughs> hey, Kobe, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm super excited to have you on the show. I know um, you have your own podcast, so um, I've listened to a lot of your conversations. I know you have um, a lot to offer when it comes to insightful conversations and different ideas. But for those of you who might not be familiar with you or who haven't listened to your podcast in the past, um, would you just mind introducing yourself uh, a little bit more to um, our listeners today and give us a little bit more background of you in real estate and you, uh, Willie, as the wonderful, amazing person uh, you are as well. Uh, yeah, so my name is Willie Davis. I'm born and raised in Metro Detroit. I moved to the Atlanta area earlier in 2021. Um, I've been in real estate for about, I'm about to enter my sixth year. So I'm, but I'm, I'm licensed in Georgia and in Michigan, and I kind of go back and forth a little bit too. Um, as far as my podcast, On The Verge podcast, uh, me and my podcast host, Tammy McQueen, we started the podcast um, during the pandemic, early 2020. And the, the idea behind that podcast for us was to take the conversations that her and I were having offline as two entrepreneurs who, would celebrate the successes and cry in the failures, <laughs> and, you know, just, just all of that in between and, and those conversations that you don't see a lot of people talk about um, on social media or, or anything like that. Um, so, so yeah, so her and I, we, we've had the podcast for a couple of years and uh, it's, it's just those raw, honest conversations. And bec- during the pandemic and um, a lot of social justice issues that were coming up um, over those couple of years, we were able to have some honest conversations and provide perspective on those topics too. Um, also, you know, during my career, I, you know, I have a, what, a bachelor's in mass communication. So I spent 10 years in corporate America working in branding and marketing uh, for automotive technology companies um, and retail. Um, over the last few years, I've been able to speak, as you mentioned, uh, with some college students uh, for a couple of different colleges like um, uh, Howard University, for example, and speaking to some of the intro marketing students um, just about marketing and that path 
to marketing and also tapping into that um, conversation that you don't have to have it all figured out right now. Um, you know, I'm six years into real estate and I said to my fiance the other day, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all about the journey, I think. And that's what yeah. is super interesting about, you know, what you all, what you do and what you kind of specialize in as well as sharing the journey. <clears throat> and I think it's super interesting because you came from that world, right? And is that, does that kind of inspire you to, to speak to college students in marketing because you came from kind of corporate America and then transitioned really yeah. well into real estate? Yes, yes. Um, for me, I think why my entrepreneurial journey has been, I can attribute some of the success I've had in my entrepreneurial journey to the things that I've been able to, um, you know, to, to get and take on my journey with me from corporate America. You know, when you are working in such a, um, a rigorous, uh, you know, confines. And what I mean by that is a nine to five or regular meetings, um, you know, weekly meetings and somebody telling you what you have to work on and giving you a deadline. When, when you, when, when you have all of those things, over 10 years kind of instilled in you when I got into um, becoming an entrepreneur and into real estate it was an easier transition because it's like I already have the structure in me so when I talk to college students about marketing um, you know I'll, I'll give them that um, corporate America perspective but what I also noticed from a lot of them is they ultimately want to own their own business so you know being able to let them know, you know, don't negate and, you know, don't neglect the, you know, going into corporate America for a few years and, and getting some of those traits. Um, you know, I was spending so many years branding and working for other companies. It's like, well, let me take everything I've learned here and, and brand it and work for myself. So uh, that's what I've been able to do. And, and that's, those are some of the things that I, I, um, I try to tell some college students and, and other people getting into this if you want to be in this for the long haul that's the key yeah well that's interesting well i mean i know a little bit more about your story so i kind of can have yeah. the the answer to this question but for those who don't know like was that the was that always the path for you like did you always wanted to you know learn from corporate america first and then go in and run your own business or is that just something that kind of that kind of came up <laughs> It just, I mean, it just kind of came up, but I'd say my first, I, I remember I, my first job in corporate America, I was an intern uh, while I was still an undergrad for Volkswagen and Audi of America. And I love automotive. I love the automotive industry. So once I had gotten into there, I'm like, I could, I could be here forever, you know? And I moved to California for a couple of years and I worked for a tech company there. And I enjoyed that. Um, I ended up my career the last two, two and a half years um, working for Auto Week Magazine. I was the marketing manager there. But it was in that role, not because of that role, but in that role where I started to see my life outside of corporate America. And uh, I, I remember one day I was driving to work and I just said, I can't do this. I can't do this nine to five in this. <laughs> you know, this hamster wheel, if you will, um, for another five years. 
Um, so that's that's kind of when I started to get into real estate or at least get my real estate license. But initially it was to get into investment real estate. So buy and flip. Um, but the license was just having my back pocket. And, you know, I kind of started getting into real estate, but then I ended up getting laid off from work. And I remember sitting in HR and as they're, you know, if anyone's ever been fired or let go or downsized, there's the that same conversation that they have in HR and say, oh, we're eliminating this position, you know, and an HR manager is going over your COBRA or your, you know, other healthcare and other benefits you can get. But during that conversation, I remember sitting there and just saying to myself, I'm a full-time real estate agent now. And I made that shift in that room in HR and I got let go like 9.45 that morning, but by noon across all social media, I was Willie Davis realtor. And no one would probably have known that I even had a previous job before that because I, I made that switch um, so quickly, but so intentionally. Wow, that's that's incredible. <clears throat> so you you literally yeah. made the switch and there's, and the reason why I think that's incredible is because there's so many people that are, I mean, entrepreneurs that are afraid, right? And I don't know yes. what your take on this is like, I mean, there's people that are afraid and obviously everybody has different situations in their life. But yeah. the, the fact that you were, you know, in your story, you were laid off at nine in the morning and by noon, nobody even knew, you know, you had a previous job, you were a full-time realtor. So that decision, yeah. I mean, was that, do you accredit that to like early success and what kind of, because obviously there's going to be a lot of, pain points in the beginning but for sure <laughs> um you know i i attributed to a few things one um my my then girlfriend at the time now ex-girlfriend but having knowing and having a partner that was going to be on this journey for me i remember calling her and just said hey i'm a full-time real estate agent great news i got laid off today hear the pair voice <laughs> and i said no 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 we're gonna be fine and then um <laughs> I love that. Great news. I got laid off today. <laughs> exactly. Um, but also um, me knowing that I what I was doing, as much as I enjoyed it, I didn't want to do it for too much longer. So it, I, I, deep down, I probably needed that push. Um, because if I had given myself a deadline, which I, I did give myself a deadline, but I don't know what I would have done if that deadline had come, you know, um, by the end of the year. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was a, a combination of things. It was a support system. It was me already, you know, trying to get that momentum to to make a move, but also betting on myself. And and I don't say that lightly because I think that is that is a trait that is. That's one of the most important traits, but probably one of the most undervalued traits, I think that that some entrepreneurs or new entrepreneurs have or don't have. You know, you have to bet on yourself. You have to bet on yourself before anybody else can, because, you know, why would I expect you to bet on me if I don't even believe in myself? So so yeah, I, I had those those things kind of all mixed in together. Um, that that made the leap easier but as you said along the journey there were definitely some uh some pain points <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i you know what i think 
it really was Willie. I think it was, you know, you, you always knew in the back of your mind and you was almost like, and, and you can tell me if this is true or not, but I, I feel like you almost were hoping to be, to be laid off, but it was almost a subconscious. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you say that too, because it's, it's so true because one, I was hoping that because in a way it was a little easier than me walking into my boss say, Hey, here's my two week notice. But also I was starting to see some of the writing on the wall of just reorganization. And, and that's when I said, okay, they're going to have to let me go. I'm not, <laughs> I would be doing them a favor if I left because they're, I, I can see eventually they're going to come to my position, you know, and, and downsize and reorganize it. So, you know, at that point it's like, okay, I'll just, I'll just wait to see when that day comes. And it came on September 7th, 2017. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I was sitting at my desk and my phone rang and it said HR coffee firm and I said to myself I was like oh I guess today's the day <laughs> well I think that's that brings up an interesting point because um this is a really relevant topic not just for I guess <clears throat> you know like quitting your job is a very you know or getting fired from a job is a really I wouldn't yes. say cliche but it's like it's something that people think about all the time when it comes to building a business but even as you're building a business, right? And, and what I kind of want to get to is like the decision, right? When you know things are things are not working out, when you know you want to make yes. a change, right? Subconsciously, you know you want to make a change, right? Even if you are running yes. a business, like I said, like maybe it's a certain marketing technique or like, you know, even your move to Atlanta, right? Like, you know, moving to a different market. So, I mean, yes. and you can kind of tell from your experience, but is that something that you think people should if they subconsciously know, should they just go in and make that decision? Um, you know, for, from where you're from, you know, do you, yeah. and maybe this is like, do you regret not quitting earlier or it kind of how I, things worked out? It was fine. I, I don't regret, I don't, I don't regret quitting earlier or not quitting earlier. I don't regret any of the journey. I don't even regret maybe not moving to Atlanta sooner. It all kind of happened. I believe when it needed to, because, you know, um, yeah, it's twofold. So me transitioning from my corporate America job into entrepreneurship, um, it was, that was the perfect time because I ended my career on a high note. I ended in a position with a very um, established publication in an industry that I loved. I was able to work with the publisher at the time you know, Dutch Mandel, I remember watching him as I was growing up within the automotive industry. So that was like, that was the perfect time. Um, and that was the, the, the perfect, you know, honeymoon position, if you will, um, to kind of ride into the sunset of my corporate America career. Even as far as moving to Atlanta, I knew probably about six to eight months, about eight months before I moved here that I was going to move here. And not everybody needs that much time to make that transition. Some people might need a little longer, but what I was doing is I was learning from the lessons I learned when I moved to California. I moved to California kind of more, on a, more so on a whim within two months. First time I was in California was April, 2013. And I was moved there by the end of June, 2013. But I didn't take the time and the effort to figure out, I had a good job there, but, I, you know, figure out my circle, where to live, 
you know, maybe roommating with people. But that the transition to California should not be taken lightly, unless you know, unless you just need to pack up your bags because you need you got a dream and a and an audition. I had none of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a small window opportunity, you know, to do it. But, but as far as when people are making that leap, um, one of the things that when all of my transitions, it wasn't driven by fear. Um, and, and I think that's an important distinction. You can still take your time and not be driven by fear, just making sure you're planning it out, making sure if, if you need to be intentional about certain things. Um, before I moved here, I was coming here probably once every two to three months, you know, um, at least four times a year um, at most. So that was kind of making that transition a little easier because it's like, okay, I'm getting pulled here more. Okay, let me now when I come here, you know, I'll shoot some podcast episodes with my um, host because she was living here. Um, I'll do some interviews. I'll meet with some people. I'll try to, now I'll make these business trips um, so that it'll all pay off in, in the beginning of 2021 when I do actually make that move. One of the things that I realized and I noticed with some people is you can say you want to do something. I want to, I want to pull the trigger and get into entrepreneurship. I want to move somewhere. I want to do whatever. But once you say that, and this is this is my um, philosophy, if you will. Once I say it out loud, you have a person, your close friend, you talk to. Um, so that's the level of accountability. Once I say it, I have a responsibility that every action I do after that is working toward that goal. October 2020 is when I said I was moving to Atlanta. And I did everything along that way until I moved in May um, of 2021 to make that work. Me and my fiance back in Michigan, we consolidated households. So we moved in together so we can start to save up some stuff for that. Um, I, I built up a bunch of business in Michigan um, so they can get things closed and execute it so I can start to build a cushion in preparation for my transition here and as you know to kind of start building and whatever all of the everything I did uh, from the moment I said I was moving uh, was in um, was to work toward that goal April 2016 me my best friend um, and one of my cousins we were on a beach in Cabo and that was one of the first times I articulated my goal and my dream of working for myself in real estate. That was about a year before I'd gotten to real estate. But everything I did up until that point was kind of working toward that. So I think there's a certain level of accountability that people have to have. To have. And if you find that one good, you don't need to tell everybody, you don't need to blast all over social media, but if you tell one good friend, one person you know is just gonna hold you accountable, say, yeah, I wanna open my business or I wanna start doing this by next year, now you have a responsibility to do those things that can get you to that point. Wow, yeah, so having an accountability partner, I think, is, yeah. is that something that you still do with small decisions oh, or? Oh, yes, yes. I mean, you know, even with some small decisions, whatever, you know, like my, my fiance, you know, is an accountability partner. My best friend, he still is. 
uh, for me as well. Um, you know, not everybody, you know, you, you can't expect one person to be everything for you, you know. Um, my best friend, I may tell him the same goals that I tell my fiance, but he's going to give me the tough love. My fiance will be very supportive and we can do this together. Um, example, the Airbnb, me and my fiance, we sat in January of this year and said it was a goal of ours for Q1. And we launched it the last week of March end of Q1, um, when we had a guest, you know, <laughs> April 1st, April 2nd, um, you know, but we did everything we needed to do from the moment we said we were going to do it. We did everything we needed to do to execute it. Yeah. And I think, I think what's, what's, you know, kind of get missed when it comes to accountability partners is that some people don't, they might not know like the parameters. Like they might just yeah. say, you know, accountability partner and they'll, they'll have, you know, a sit down and they'll make it like super formal, but then they'll uh -huh. leave the meeting and then do nothing afterwards. So when it yeah. comes to parameters, like, is it something that, like you said, you have somebody who gives you the tough love or yeah. you just have to tell somebody when you, you just when you're have picking, to tell somebody, <clears throat> you just have to yeah. tell somebody. Yeah. You know, we don't, I mean, it's my best friend, so we don't even have anything formal. I mean, we might, <laughs> I, I talked, he lives in LA. Um, I talked to him this morning on the way to work. He was driving to the airport for a business trip. So we're talking at 6.30 and 9.30 in the morning in our respective time zones and checking in with each other and, and whatever and, and, and doing things like, so it can just be off the cuff kind of things there. It's not like, you know, we said like, all right, we have accountability meeting today. It's just, you know, they'll ask me, hey, you know, so what about, you know, this thing that you said you were gonna do or you're looking into? Um, and, and also with the accountability partners or, you know, um, they, they, they can, they can keep you on track, but they, they they also can look at it from the outside view and say, well, maybe now is not the right time to do this, you know, and, and that has happened a few times for either, for both of us, um, just saying, you know, maybe trying to do X, Y, Z right now is putting too much stress and strain on it or you don't have enough time to fully execute it so put it off for a little bit so you have a, a little more you know room on your plate so yeah just various things like that but it's got to be someone you trust someone that is rooting for you someone that supports you um and uh, but also someone whose opinion you actually value you know um and hopefully it's somebody in your circle i I'm fortunate enough that I have great people in my circle, so I don't have to maybe go out and hire somebody or, or you know, or anything like that. And 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 if someone needs to or wants to, that's completely fine. But um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to find that um, in my circle. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, what you mentioned there about hiring, I I really don't like. And like you said, it's fine if somebody wants to go out there and hire an accountability coach or just somebody like that. And it has worked, right? A lot, a lot of times mm -hmm. it's fitness. You, you hear with like fitness, oh, yeah. you know, I hired a coach and then I would have worked out. But, it, you yeah. know, really just making that decision for yourself, right? I mean, it's, that's what it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Making it for yourself and then um, and going from there. Um, I don't seek motivation I don't seek motivation per se from someone. I, I, you know, what I mean by that is, I won't say, "Oh, I want to get," you know, 
let's just use an example. I want to get my Georgia license this this year and then try to seek the motivation and validation from someone else if I don't even really want to, you know, I, I'm not going to just do things or, or, or have a goal for the sake of having a goal. It's, it's something, okay, this is really what I want to do. I want to make sure I get my license by this time so that I can move by this time. Um, and I'm doing everything that I can, but that other person is still just making sure I'm on track um, and that my goals are still what they, what they said they were. And if I do get lackluster with them or whatnot, um, they can say, hey, hey, what's going on over there? How, what happened there? And, you know, um, and, and, you know, kind of go from there. And that, that was even, that was, that's an example of when I moved here to Georgia, I knew I had to get my reciprocal license. Um, I wanted to get it at least a couple of months before I moved here so that when I got here, I could just start move. I could start going and not waste any time um, living here trying to get the license. So yeah, yeah, and I think I mean that's that goes back to like the preparation, right? The preparation that you had when you were moving back and forth, um, yes. or not moving back and forth, but like coming down here at least like I think four times a year, and yeah. the, just based on the decision you made, and as a real estate agent specifically, I think that really helped. And I was I was just thinking like. That must have really helped, right? You're you're going down there. It's not like <laughs> I'm gonna pack my bags, move down to Atlanta, yeah. and then everybody, you know, you can't take on any clients because you just moved there. You're trying to figure things out mm -hmm. too. But the fact that yeah. you've been there over and over again, the fact that you're prepared, yeah. you're actually able to offer some kind of value now. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. My, you know, for example, my broker I work with, I met him. I we've kind of followed and known each other through the years in social media and real estate, but we met um and kind of partnered up together in march of last year so two months before i moved here so i already had that established and it was just a matter of waiting for my lease to be done and you know and, and uh, making that transition in the move but yeah 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 well that's that's awesome man so it really sounds like that when it comes to like entrepreneurship and preparation like you you have it well honestly you have it down because you obviously you're gonna have you're gonna tell me like you know, there's, there's some other, other stories that kind of, but just, just for the listeners out there, like this is, this is the value that you're able to offer in terms of yeah. um, what you do. Right. And that's kind of pivots to the podcast that you, you started, right. Is that, yeah. is that the reason why you started it? Because, I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of things down, especially when it comes to, you know, some of the more, you know, mindset focused things when it comes to, you know, entrepreneurship and, and running a business right? The accountability, yeah. the preparation. So is that kind of what, what inspired you to start your podcast? Or? Um, you know, it was, it was a couple of things. It was having enough knowledge to be able to share, but also having just enough of, I'm still trying to figure it out. And one of the things I, I was noticing, you know, you kind of notice with um, various, you know, entrepreneur podcasts or books or whatever, you know, it's, it's usually from somebody who's been in the business for 10, 20 years and they have all the answers, but their answers, yes, are from decades of experience, but also at the same time, sometimes, and a lot of times in entrepreneurial, in this entrepreneurial life, <laughs> the answer you need today was not an answer yesterday. It's 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 it, especially in real estate too, where things are just so nuanced, and 
it changes from day to day. I remember there's been times over the years where I would present a, a situation or a problem or a scenario to my brokers. And even though they have been in the business a few years longer than me, they're like, oh, we've never experienced this. You know, so you're trying to figure it out. So even even with Entrepreneur and um, with our podcast on The Verge, you know, Tammy and I, this was about a year of conversations that we were having, deep conversations where we both at times were, I guess that we would celebrate the highs, but there were just, there was equal amount of defeat that we felt and anguish and debating, man, is this what we want to do? Is this how it's going to be? You know, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs early on, there's always a tab or two on your internet of job postings <laughs> where you're just like, this is so hard. You know, let me go apply for a few jobs today. Um, Cause healthcare looks great. A regular paycheck is amazing. I miss, you know, and all of that. And I remember at the end of 2019, just before the pandemic, um, one of my trips to Atlanta, I, I, um, I called her and presented, I actually talked on the phone in December, 2019, I presented her with this idea and I was like, we just have such amazing things to talk about. And then I came here to Atlanta in February, so a month before the pandemic and, and we kind of brainstormed. And right when everything shut down, I told her, I said, let's just do it now. Like we have so much time. Um, and I said, these are just topics these are on-time topics. And I think one of the things that you'll probably realize is there are so many people who have come out of that pandemic, um, business owners, and they got their, their ideas off the ground, um, or they may have felt alone in these thoughts um, or these ideas. Sometimes as an entrepreneur, your idea just seems so audacious, but the only person who gets it is you because it's for you. Um, and then equally, you know, the next week or the next day, you feel so defeated because you've gotten 50 no's and you're still waiting for that yes. Um, and you're starting to maybe not believe in yourself or is this a good idea? Um, is this, do I have the stamina and the longevity uh, to do this? Um, so we, we talk about those conversations that we've had and how we've gotten through those situations. Um, and sometimes getting through those situations, it's not a long-term solution. It's like, all right, I got enough motivation to get me through the week. And sometimes you just have to take those baby steps. And then you get through another week. And then you get through a month. And then next thing you know, your one-year anniversary is coming up. And you're like, oh, okay, I can do this. And you look back over that first year or two of what you did right, what you did wrong, and and you see where you don't want to be anymore and you do the things that helped you get to where you are right now. Um, so so there were so many of those type of conversations, um, but also I think the beauty of it is we ourselves were still trying to figure out some of it too. We never wanted to come off as having all the answers because we didn't. Um, and a lot of our conversations were just off off the cuffs, you know. Um, I think one of our most listened to episodes was about racism in America. And it was after George Floyd's death. And um, and and the episode really just started, it, we would record our episodes on Zoom at the time. And 
you know, from the beginning, we just press record and I'll do the edits at the end. But Tammy just asked me, she's like, how are you feeling? And it wasn't even supposed to be the episode. And we just started talking. We talked for, um, I think, an hour and a half. And I made two episodes out of that. But um, the, the amazing thing about that episode was I have a lot of friends and people that I know and have known over the years who listen to it. And for the first time in many ways, they were able to see a different side of Willie. They were able to see me for the, you know, for the black kid as opposed to just their friend. And, and I've never been in any situations, racial situations with them, but understanding that, oh, okay, you know, kind of taken for granted that this is Willie, but there is another side to him. There's another part to him in the community that's struggling and, and dealing with. And, and it's nice to hear his side and, and everything. So I think that was being able to have a platform for those, those situations and those um, conversations too. Um, and then we talk about, you know, other things too, like a routine, you know, as, as I mentioned early on, you know, coming out of corporate America, you have a structure and it's like, here's a successful routine. It doesn't, you don't have to have every hour blocked out of the day, but making sure, one of the things I still do to my, for myself is making sure I do something for myself first thing in the morning. So every morning before I really get into work and emails, I get my workout in. And then the rest of the day can do what I do. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's super important, and it kind of relates just to having conversations, right? And it comes to when it comes to real estate, we don't like a lot of agents are very gun ho when it comes yeah. to generating leads. And I know that's not the it's not not to say that you don't work hard, right? You're multiple time yeah. award winning real estate agents running yeah. you know multiple different projects, but um, the fact that you know you're more into the conversation piece, I think that's what. Mm -hmm most agents or most successful agents are really good at is conversations yeah. and having a platform like a podcast is just a way for you to start more conversations and for more people to be able to listen like like you said to know you from different perspectives and that can yeah. you know do you think I mean, I mean this is very general but like do you think every mm -hmm. entrepreneur should have some sort of platform similar to a podcast um I think every entrepreneur should, whether whatever that platform looks like, whether it's it's as big as a podcast or a blog or just your normal social media posts, every entrepreneur should just be authentic. And whatever they're doing, whatever channel that they're using, I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate enough, like I said, to have a podcast. I've been fortunate enough to be interviewed and. Um, publications and features um but no matter my channel that i'm speaking to um it's just being authentic because that is what that's really what people can can see that they can they can see when you're being authentic yeah or not and then, right exactly or not yeah. and i think that's i mean that isn't that where like people make the mistake of they think they need to do a certain thing, but it's not like it, it isn't aligned with them. It's not like you said, it's not authentic. And yeah, I, you know, I had someone recently in the last few months say, 
one of their friends told them to start a YouTube channel. And I said to him, why? And he's like, I don't know. They're just what they said. But if you don't even know the why, if, if you don't even like doing just basic videos on Instagram or reels, why are you doing a YouTube channel? And I said, it was just a little harsh, but I was like, you need to find new friends. Your friends are, <laughs> if your friends are just telling, oh, you should do this. And then you're just, you're so easy to say yes to that, but you don't even know why. So if you don't know why, that's the first issue with a strategy. If you don't even know why, then your strategy has already failed. <laughs> So. Yeah, well, I think that's 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 it because that's what people like. That's what people do, right? They they mm -hmm. go out there and they they see other people do things and they think they need to emulate it, and then it ends yeah. up they don't know what they're doing. They've they've gone, you know, like like you said, if this person would have started their YouTube channel, they might be doing YouTube for six months and then they don't even know why, right? Like, yeah, there's no yeah. goal in mind. And <laughs> Oh, for sure. You know, and I started my YouTube channel mainly for a place to host the video portions of my podcast. Um, you know, if people wanted to watch it and, and things like that, but I was curating some long form videos, if you will, you know, 20 to 40 minute videos, but, but I was very comfortable in front of the camera or speaking. I mean, I have a mass communications degree or whatnot, but if I think there is a certain like going back to my point is like whatever channel you use be authentic but also you, you know you if, if you're not comfortable doing some things don't start there but build your way up to do those things so if you're not comfortable in front of the camera okay maybe start with a blog or, or maybe do a short five ten second reel or something like that to build up to you getting comfortable, um, maybe do some silly stuff, who knows, but don't try to do what somebody over here is doing if you not, you're not even comfortable doing the first step. So, yeah. Right, and I think, I mean, I think that's what you, you mentioned, like getting to the first, getting to that first step and getting to a certain point. It's not like getting to a point where you're uncomfortable and doing something, yeah. you know, it's, it's different from doing something just to do something, right? Yeah. There's gonna be things that you need to be doing that are uncomfortable, but you have to have a like a reason behind it. It has to accomplish mm. what you wanted to accomplish, not just please people or please your, I mean, even mm -hmm. like just please your own ego, I guess, because sometimes- Oh, for sure, right? that ego, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's our worst enemy, right? It's our yeah. best friend, but it's also like, it's our worst enemy disguised as our best friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, is that, have you kind of uh, ran into that in the past where you found yourself doing something that you only started because you saw other people doing, or you didn't really have a reason why for, for doing it? Um, yes. Um, I remember my first, like I said, my, I got into real estate in 2017, 2018 was one of my first full years as well. So between 2017, 2018, I was, I was all over the place. I was doing business, but looking back, you know, even something as simple as a networking event, I found myself going to a lot of networking events that wasn't even going to generate business for me. 
And, you know, so for example, in real estate, you either have a closing attorney or a title company throwing networking events. That's fantastic. And it's usually for people in the industry, but the only people there are lenders and other real estate agents. So you can go there in the beginning and kind of, you know, get to know some people, everything, but I quickly, I quickly got my network. I have a, um, even here in, in Georgia, I have a closing attorney that I, I work with mostly I have a title company in Michigan. I've been working with since 2018. Um, I have my preferred lenders. I have my network. So, so after a while, it didn't even make sense for me to go to these networking events two, three nights a week to see the same agents that no one's going to give me business where I'll work in the same areas just to get a free drink or two, you know? So after a while, I just, I, I cut that out because I said, it's not, it's not doing anything for my business just to say I was in a room if that room isn't doing anything for me. Um, also, when it comes to marketing aspects, um, you know, even some social media marketing, I think when a lot of people, you know, I, I've done some social media marketing and paid marketing, you know, uh, paid ads um, over the years. And I haven't done anything in months because my strategy isn't fine-tuned yet. And I'm not ready to put it out there yet. But in my first couple of years kind of doing, I think one of the things a lot of newer agents would think is, oh, let me put 20, 50, $100 into social media. But you're speaking just noise. And what I mean by that is if you just do a post that says, hey, are you looking to buy or sell? You're doing the exact same post and hundred of other newer agents are doing because there's there's no call to action. There's no um, no nothing to differentiate you from the other. Are you ready to buy or sell? Post I saw or the one I saw from agent <laughs> Bob across town that said, "Hey, are you looking to buy or sell?" Um, so. So I think some some people think, and, and I did early on too, that, oh, it, let me put some money into social and they'll come and they won't because you don't have a strategy. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that something that you kind of, kind of see a lot? Cause that's what I see is that <laughs> most, and whether if it's paid or not, like, or yeah. paid or for free, like from, from just their, their profile, all the yeah. agents that I see, they, they post the same thing and they've turned essentially mm -hmm. social media, which like it's social media is more supposed to be like a networking yeah. event, right? It's, it's you as a, just you extended essentially. It's, it's mm -hmm. an extension of your personality, but they've turned it into yeah. like Craigslist or. Oh gosh. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, well then if you even think of it too, okay. So you're an agent, you're posting on social or you're doing an ad. Not to say not to do any ads, but also think of what client are you going, you want to position yourself as a luxury real estate agent. Okay, great. You're not necessarily going to find a luxury seller or buyer on Facebook. They're not going to see your Facebook ad because they're probably not on Facebook that much. You know, so what networks are you working? I'm pretty big, uh, you know, with posting on LinkedIn and Twitter. 
Um, I still obviously use Facebook, but I know, especially if I talk about, um, you know, crypto real estate or whatever, I know I can have a conversation about that on Twitter or LinkedIn um, or things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's like, where is your ideal clientele and go from there. Don't be mad if you are posting on Facebook and you're trying to attract a luxury real estate luxury listings or 500 and above, but you keep getting these first time home buyers. Yes, because that is generally where a first time home buyer is going to be because that's, that's where they are. They're, they're on Facebook, but maybe after buying their second home or third home, that's where they're, you know, they might not be so they might not find the agent there or they, or it might become a, a recurring client or something like that. So you need to, you know, that's, that's one of the things you understanding that just because you put a hundred dollars on Facebook doesn't mean you're going to get um, that $500,000 seller or buyer. Right. Exactly. And that's what, it, it's so interesting that people don't, don't realize this, but it's the, um, the platforms that you are on the mm -hmm. most is the mm -hmm. one that you should be leveraging first. Do you, I mean, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think that's a viable? Um, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's twofold because yes, there's some, there's some truth to that, but also recognize which client you're going to get. I remember when I first got into real estate, every newer agent wants to, Oh, I want to do luxury. I want to do new construction. We all do. We all do luxury because the price point's high, new construction because boom, set it and forget it. But I was starting to realize even in Michigan and, and there was like this two year period, 2018, 19, I was, my niche was like first time home buyers. And I just, I just leaned into it. And it was people, people I knew, people I didn't know. I was, and I, anything I was posting about, I was just giving them some valuable information about that. I had a lender and a loan officer I worked with that him and I worked so hard for some people because if they got a no from someplace, somebody else, we would work so hard to give them a yes. And we did. And we put a lot of people in homes. Um, and I just, I was recognizing these are the people who are coming to me. I'm closing them. They're satisfied. They're they're so grateful. All right, I'll I'll ride this wave. This is this is who I'll be, and I can take clients from anywhere and any price point. But it's like, okay, what kind of valuable information can I provide people in this niche? You know, I was on a um, three years ago. I think it was twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen. I was on a um, I was on the Sunday uh. A, feature in the Sunday newspaper um, in Detroit, um, a couple of newspapers, and we were talking about, you know, black home ownership and first time home buyers and things like that. So I was, I was taking that message on the road too. I was taking it to the newspapers. I was taking it when I was doing articles, I was taking it blogs that I was doing. I was giving the valuable information when I was on um, the Remax, you know, uh, podcast, uh, when I was on local radio stations, anything to, to get that message out and it's, and I think for some people, it's, it's like there is in some ways, there's a, a natural clientele that is coming to you. And sometimes people just want to like push it away. It's like, no, because I want this. And it's like, no, 
hone into this, hone in your message on these people, work with these people, um, and then grow and build from there. Um, there's an agent that I, I work with and I know where she's, um, she's in the reserve and she's better. And I said, lean into VAs. Veterans love to work with other veterans. Make that your niche. I'm not a veteran. I've closed many VA buyers, but I can't market myself as a veteran um, VA specialist or veteran agent. Like you, you, that is that right. That's your niche, you know? So, so yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Whatever platforms, wherever you're at, um, you know, lean into it, but also understand and, and, accept, if you will, that clientele that comes with it, but you can take them to the finish line. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an important thing for agents to remember is that a lot of them seems to be, they're working against the grain, right? They, they pick, mm -hmm. you know, different niches in, in real estate. Like you said, yeah. like luxury comes up a lot, <laughs> yeah. right. And then they don't, like, and then it kind of goes back to the other thing you were saying. They don't know why. Like the why is yeah. you know we'll make more money. Well, I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I mean that's that's yeah. the why. But uh -huh. there's no but, real. But that's it. But but it even goes deep. You know, luxury real estate too. It, it goes deeper than just showing. I've worked with luxury real estate clients, and it is you have to even if I'll take a two hundred thousand dollar buyer is a completely different buyer than a $750,000 buyer. I show them homes differently. A $200,000 buyer, I might show them three, four homes in a day. A higher end buyer, I might show them one home a week. Um, that I'm more of a concierge to them, especially even if I'm selling their home. I, in a lot of cases, might have to be there for the showings. Um, or the open house, I have to making, taking those extra steps um, that some agents are not aware of, or some agents probably wouldn't even want to do. Um, it's not just, oh, this pre-approval fall into my lap and let's go out this Saturday and see homes. No, because what tends to happen is they get the pre-approval and then they're so busy and you probably won't be able to take them out for a couple of weeks because maybe they're traveling or they're doing this. You, I, a couple of years ago, I um, actually sold the condo to a buyer. I did a virtual walkthrough for them. They were out on a trip on their boat and I did a virtual walkthrough of the condo. We put in the offer. They didn't see the wife, you know, she didn't see it until the inspection. Um, and he didn't see it, I don't think until after closing. So, like, you know, um, so yeah, so you have to, and then eight months later, I sold it and they made $40,000 off of it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, love it. So it's, it's just yeah. like, it's such a different, like, you have to understand, right? You have to understand like the, the mm -hmm. clientele that you're working with and the different levels of service and what they're looking for isn't necessarily what you what you think, right? Isn't necessarily what yes. you're looking for, or the other client that you just closed on last week is looking for, right? You know, yes. a lot of agents, you know, they get handed, you know, they're doing well, and then like after we're closing tomorrow, it's like here's a 
million dollar buyer, they don't even know what to do with them. <laughs> so they wouldn't even know what the first question to ask. Yes, it, it, because you know, because it, it's what is funny about that statement too is that the a million dollar client the first question to ask is not even oh, are you pre-approved because most of the cases they're working with a financial advisor or whatever it's hey can i have the contact information to your financial advisor or to your accountant or whatever they they have they have people so it's not even oh are you pre-approved <laughs> don't insult them with that <laughs> Right. That would be that would be like the worst fumble in history if you get a million dollar buyer yeah. inbound calling or knocking at your office door and then you ask them, hey, are you pre-approved? And then yeah. you, know, you just, you know, right, fall into your lap, right? right? They'll, they'll oh, buy man. it out right with cash. So yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah, and that's that comes down to like, I think it comes down to the education part, right? If you say that you're going to like, and it goes back to what you said, right? If you say you're going to work with a, you know, you're going to be a luxury agent, work with high end uh, buyers or high end real estate, you know, start educating yourself, start taking the steps that you would need to take to become that agent and to, you know, do those things instead of, you know, just kind of staying in the same lane that you've been doing in the yeah. past and just kind of going to pre pre approval seminars or, learn about yeah. FHA loans, right? If, if you're going to be a luxury agent, yeah. you know, don't learn about FHA loans, right? No, you need to know what the limits are for jumbo loans in your area. You need to know, um, yeah, what are the things that are important to them? What, you know, all of these, all of these different things um, that is different than somebody who says, oh, I'm just getting the process started. I'm looking, you know, I don't know what my credit score is, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Because yeah. usually they know what their score is. <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably have a good idea of what that is. But um, yeah. kind of pivoting a little bit uh, more towards, you know, some of the work that you've been doing with students. Because uh, I really yes. think that's it's super important. And I, I, you know, I think it's great that you're doing it. Um, so kind of walk us through, like, what, like, or at least walk me through, like, what have you been, like, how that, those uh, ideas came about? Was it something that you consciously were willing to do or is that just like, you know, anything else presented to you and then you took the opportunity of it? Yeah, so it was kind of a right place at the right time. Um, about, oh gosh, probably three, four years ago, I was, um, there is this high school business organization called BPA or DECA, whatnot. Um, and I was a part of it in high school. So um, in Michigan, over the last few years, I would go and um, help judge their state um, qualifying. Um, and basically, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's these organizations, whatnot, it's, it's business students basically kind of getting together and they have these various business events, whether it be individual or team events. So it could be something like your you're on a team and you're pitching an idea to investors or you're, you know, an interview style or, you know, you're just a, a wide range of um, business scenarios that one could experience in corporate America. Um, so I would go back and judge um, the states um, for Michigan um, uh, with my old advisor. And one of the events I was judging a few years ago um, I was judging with someone else and she's a college professor, a business college professor. Uh, she was at Cleary University in Michigan and she does this, she was doing a summer, um, 
a summer program at Howard University. So later on, you know, we, we kind of met and we just kind of, you know, we meshed and we collaborated and she wanted me to come in and speak to her intro to marketing class. Um, and actually it was an intro marketing class. It, it was one of her marketing classes because there were a few students in there that were graduating that year. And then another year I went and I, um, there was a, another intro to marketing class. I went and judged and they were just pitching marketing um, ideas, you know, so there were like teams and everything. Um, and then the summer program that I spoke at at Howard University, um, you know, and just kind of talking to the students about marketing, but different aspects of marketing and different ways that you can get into marketing, different ways to think of marketing. And, and like I said early on, you know, this generation now, a lot of a lot of the students ultimately want to own their own business, which is great. So I'm able to help show them that pathway from this classroom that you're in right now to own your own business or why maybe it's not a bad idea to take a few years, three to five years in corporate America. And what I've learned from corporate America, you know, that I've been able to apply into my business and everything too. So it was it's great to to talk to those students because I remember when I was in college and undergrad, and if we had a guest speaker, the message never really was about you don't have to have it all figured out. It, it was maybe somebody of a specific career and they were talking to you very specifically about what you need to do from today forward to get into this job. And that pathway is not always clear. Um, I mean, in some cases, you know, if I had known when I went to college, I would ultimately become a real estate agent. Maybe I wouldn't have gone, who knows, but because I went and I had all this experience, let me take it and run with it. Um, so it, it's nice to be able to let them know. I think that's one of the pressures that some college students have is feeling that they have to have it all figured out. Um, and, and graduation sneaks up on you sometimes, you know, after freshman year, you know, you're, you're kind of head down in books and sophomore and junior year. And then next thing you know, you're meeting with your career advisor and it's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. So, yeah. 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 No, I think it is. And I think a lot of, and I don't know, like, you know, if that's something that you also see as well, but I think a lot of college students are feeling that pressure especially more like more so now than before is because yeah. of a lot of the, the, the actual real pressures that they have, which mm -hmm. is like the, the student debt that they would need to start paying off from the day yeah. of graduation, essentially. <clears throat> so. Well, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I have a niece that she's in law school um, in her last year, but even there's, there's levels of pressure there and it's like, okay, where I'm going to take the bar at and, you know, where, and, you know, trying to build up the resume and, and do internships and getting, um, you know, jobs and stuff at particular law firms and at the college, all of these different things, because just like, let me build up this resume in this last year so that when I do take and pass the bar in a year, I'm not, I, I have something to show for it. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's I mean it's I guess it's it's good that people are able to kind of like be able to go to mm -hmm. college off of you know you don't have to pay out of pocket now. But yeah, you know, still it's like that's 
it's a lot of pressure for people who are very young, right? For people yes. who, you know, they have no experience, but they already have a lot of, a lot of debt, in, you know, in, in their, in their, in their back pocket, essentially, mm-hmm. that um, they would need to have, you know, the pressure to go out there and, and have it figured out. So, I mean, like, if you have to, you know, I mean, when you're speaking to these students, like, is there any advice that you would give somebody who, you know, like how they would kind of face that where they might not know what they want to do, or they right. might be in a position where, they have to do something because there's so much pressure on them or, or they feel yeah. like they have to do something. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, one of the pressures I would just say, you know, I, I think the first thing, and it's going to sound very small and stupid, but it's like, just, just take a breath. Let's <laughs> <laughs> take a breath. I mean, because you think, okay, you're in college and you feel like, oh God, I have to have to, I have to have the rest of my life planned. I have to know what I'm going to do. Even if you did, when you get out of college, then you got to figure out what to do next. You, you're always trying to figure out what to do. That's, that, that is not a, a decision or emotion that's going to go away just because you walked across the stage in college. Um, you know, when I graduated college, I, uh, when I started college, I was, I was going for marketing and I was having some um, academic issues, we'll call it. Um, so then I, that first, one of the first decisions, like, oh, I have to figure out what I'm going to do because my financial aid is being taken away. So then I got into radio broadcast and then, then I finished the rest of my undergrad and everything. So I found a new path. It's still all with, you know, went for marketing and mass communication, but figure that out. Then after I got my degree, I was asking my boss at the time, hey, I'm about to get my degree. Will this do anything for a raise or anything? And, you know, he kind of mentioned like, no, not really, because the current, the job that I had at that time didn't require a college degree. So, and I knew the person above me wasn't going to go anywhere. So I had to make another decision. I was like, okay, let me move. And that's when I moved to California. And I said, okay, if I'm going to California, I'm going to get into a different industry. So I got into technology. Then two years went by and I came back to Michigan. And I was like, okay, I've got to figure this out. And it, it, all of these figuring things out. Um, and then when I got laid off from work, okay, I got to figure this out. You are constantly figuring it out. And just when you... You, I mean, it may be a year or two at a time that you have it worked out. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like, you know, you 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 always gotta, you know, figure it out. Yeah, and I think that's I love that that you 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 know figure it out, right? Because sometimes it's yeah. just people think they need to have it figured out. Where yeah. the the actual, I mean, I wouldn't say like even success, but like the actual success, the journey of it is figuring it out. It's, it's the actual process that yes. kind of makes it, makes it all, all worth it. Right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And in that process, in that journey, I mean, that in of itself can be a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. And I think that's right. That's kind of how you, you came upon, you know, what you're, what you're currently doing. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot, you know, a lot of it is just from figuring it out. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Hey, Willie, I think it was a great conversation we had today. And just to kind of cap yeah. off a little bit, I know you have, you're doing a lot in uh, the crypto space. 
So just yeah. for, you know, looking far into the future, you know, what's next, right? What's the next thing that Willie Davis has to figure out, right? What, what is like, what are you figuring out now, <laughs> essentially? I have to figure out how to help a buyer in Detroit buy a house with Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has a, uh, she has a budget of 140000 We talked last week. I sent out some emails to some agents and stuff and trying to see and if anybody wants to be on the cutting edge of this but um but yeah i mean she could easily liquidate it and you know to fiat cash but um yeah that i mean that that in of itself you know i'm a crypto certified agent and i'm trying to find ways to one of my goals i think in this crypto real estate journey is trying to make crypto purchasing with crypto and crypto real estate obtainable to the average person there is a a one percent there is a a one percent of one percent that's already out there in the metaverse buying nfts all of that stuff you know uh board monkey and all of these things but there there are people down here people by me around me who are just figuring out what a crypto wallet is. Um, this particular client I have, she sold, um, I think about a week or so ago, she sold um, a couple of NFTs that she created herself in a pivot in a figuring out situation during the pandemic for her. She she uh, figured out how to, um, you know, how to mine NFTs and she sold, she sold some and she got paid in Bitcoin and she now, could purchase a home in Bitcoin. Um, and I'm trying to trying to make that possible for her. Um, but we will, I'm source, I'm trying to source some uh, some potential sellers or investors who would be willing to accept that. But um, but like I said, we have an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, just looking forward, like, you know, for the next whatever you know, cryptocurrency, a lot of people are very high on it, the NFTs yeah. and, the, and the metaverse as well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it have some implications. So it's really great that you're getting into this space. And I can't can't wait to see, you know, how that that deal turns out that first crypto deal, right? Are you, yeah. are, I mean, just are you going to get paid in crypto as well? Or <laughs> You know, I'm trying to, it's funny, because I have a couple of more calls this afternoon with property about, you know, uh, figuring that out. But I would I would be okay getting paid in crypto. Yeah, I, yeah. Have, a, I have a crypto wallet, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so, um, or, yeah. Or was... getting paid in an NFT, I'm fine with that too. Yeah, <laughs> just get, get the NFT, because NFTs are like, I think they're, they're treating NFTs more like a, an asset, so it actually, it actually oh, goes up. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'd, be, uh, that'd be awesome. Just make sure nobody else screenshots it, right? <laughs> oh gosh, yes. Yeah, I will, I will not show anyone my wallet. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, Willie, I mean, it was uh, really great having you on the podcast today. For uh, anybody who is, um, you know, looking to get in touch with you, uh, whether mm -hmm. if it's, you know, to learn more about crypto and real estate or more about you, the person who's, you know, just an awesome person to have a conversation with. I and mean, if you are in Atlanta, I'm sure you would love yeah. to have a cup of coffee with Willie, right? So um, yeah, uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, um, how, how can they do so? And um, how can um, they get, get in touch with you? Yeah, you know, they can find me on Instagram, Willie, the letter J underscore Davis. Um, that's my personal Instagram. The link in there is my link tree. 
So I have links um, in my profile to my business uh, page um, at Willie Davis Realtor. Um, you'll have links to my Turo fleet if you want to rent Turo, uh, my Airbnb if you want to do Airbnb, uh, my website, WillieDavisRealtor.com. Um, so yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Um, also on LinkedIn too. Uh, I think I think Willie J. Davis on, on LinkedIn. So yeah, you'll be able to find me there. Yeah, and make sure that um, you guys give uh, his podcast, On The Verge podcast, a, uh, a listen as well. Really great stuff on there. And I, you, you mentioned something about your turtle fleet. And I just think that's the coolest thing ever <laughs> that you have your own fleet. <laughs> so. Yeah, I have, a, I have a couple of cars out. They're all out right now. And then I'm, I think this week I'm going to start to manage uh, someone else's vehicle. So, yeah. That's awesome. Imagine that having your own fleet, right? Like, <laughs> like the Navy or, or some kind of, some kind of global trading company, but um, that's awesome, Willie, man. And uh, thank you so much for, uh, for your time today. I know, you know, you got thank a lot you. going on, but it's always great having that conversation uh, with somebody like yourself. And um, I really hope that, you know, the listeners out there got a lot of value out of it. I know I sure did. So um, thank you so much again, Willie, for being on the show and, um, for those of you guys out there um, as well. Thank you guys for yeah. tuning in and listening. And, uh, you know, leave a leave a like, leave a review. If you have any questions for Willie, um, just make sure you guys uh, reach out to him as well. And um, yeah, really hope you guys got a lot out of this show. And uh, any parting thoughts, Willie, before we wrap this up? Um, wow, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> I just, honestly, I just hope everyone has an amazing day and a great week. And as I said in the podcast, you know, believe in yourself um, because you can't expect anyone else to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself. Wow. Love it. That's a great message. Believe in yourself. Always bet on yourself guys. And uh, thank you for tuning in and I will see you guys on the, uh, on the next show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the free life agents podcast for more resources or to connect with us further, please visit our website, www.freelifeagents.com. We'll see you next time.